Welcome to the Practice Accelerator podcast, powered by Blue Camel. This podcast is all about the business of dentistry. We talk to dentists from all over to hear stories of what works. The ups and downs provide you guidance for your own practice journey. Whether you're an associate thinking of starting a practice, own one practice, or many, our goal is to help you succeed in the business of dentistry. Welcome, everyone, to the Practice Accelerator podcast. We're super excited to have with us Dr. Sonny Gill. Uh, he's a general dentist from Toronto. Uh, Dr. Sonny Gill received his DDS degree from the University of Detroit Mercy in 2007. And upon graduation, he practiced briefly in British Columbia before returning home to Toronto. And in 2013, he founded the City Dental Toronto Group which currently has five locations in downtown Toronto, Canada. He is also a founding partner in the Health One Medical Group, a multidisciplinary group of healthcare practices. One of my favorite people, an exciting guy, lots of energy. Dr. Gill, thanks so much for joining the podcast today. Appreciate it, my friend. Good to be, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So what we want to talk about, super relevant to today, it's uh, May 9th when we're recording this, and uh, we're basically in the middle of quarantine, COVID-19. We've talked to dentists in the States and in Canada, and depending on the college and guidance and what you're hearing, most practices today are closed, no surprise, except for emergency care. Uh, And folks are looking to reopen, hopefully soon. So we thought you owning multiple practices, I think a staff of 40 plus, and what are you doing What's your strategy? What's your approach? What are you looking out for? Um, maybe what's keeping you up at night around COVID-19 to hit the ground running? And does your practice look the same when you open up? Or what changes do you think are going to be permanent? So just looking to have a free flowing conversation of what's top of mind and maybe you have things already in place, but yeah, wherever you'd like to start, COVID-19. Yeah, this, thanks, man. There's, there's a lot, right? We have a group of dental practices. So we've got some unique challenges as part of being a group. Uh, that sort of multiply uh, for people who are running some of solo operations. This thing sort of uh, caught everybody by surprise. And it wasn't too long ago, early part of this year, we were sitting around hearing about uh, the virus in, in Wuhan, China, and a trickling of cases making their way kind of into Europe and in, into North America. I think that most people had no idea that, that we were going to be sitting here in May after sitting 50 days or so in isolation, stuck in our homes and, and unable to sort of carry on with normal life. The term kind of unprecedented uh, times has been thrown around a lot, but there really is no other way to sort of describe this. I mean, there, there's been challenges, obviously, for people, employment and for businesses. I mean, just sitting at home psychologically, that can be tough for people. So there's been a number of challenges that have been brought on by the virus. I mean, aside from the fact that it's obviously resulting in quite a bit of um, death and, and negative things for people all across the world. Um, we have been uh, always sort of take the approach of trying to find opportunities as much as possible whenever we have uh, things happen that affect our practice and our business. We, we've been stuck at home and we've been trying our best to stay productive and we've uh, been shut down and, and not seeing patients even for emergency care. So there have been challenges sort of a uh, guessing game of trying to figure out what's going to be happening next. I think that uh, 
we're slowly starting to see jurisdictions uh, in the States and some in Canada that are opening up the doors to, to general practice uh, resuming. There seems to be a little bit of a lack of consensus on what the right thing to do is in terms of making sure that we're keeping patients safe and we're able to deliver care in a, in a manner that is still effective. I think it's pretty clear that the old ways of for the practice are, are behind us. Everyone's going to have to pivot and uh, that pivot is going to look different than the way dentistry was practiced in February of 2020. I think the, the major things that, that are coming, which are, most people are already sort of aware of, is, is that there's be an increased sort of precautionary measures that are, that are being taken to prevent the spread of infection in the dental practice. One of the things that people in dentistry know is that we're, we're pretty high risk for the spread of aerosols. And, and it's pretty clear that the COVID-19 virus is being spread by aerosol. So we've got to do a better job than we have been doing in, in making sure we're containing that. So I think some of the guidelines that are, that are probably going to be universal are increased uh, PPE probably using N95 masks or, or higher filtration masks to make sure that um, during aerosol generating procedures, we're keeping our doctors and our, and our assistants and our teams safe. That's coming. The use of face shields and masks, there's plenty of companies out there right now that are sort of opportunistic in this world and, and trying to shift their production into creating these uh, kind of resources. Um, I think they are good resources. I think that you know we're also looking at uh, some changes that are coming in sort of the process of even for protecting our, our front office teams and, and installing plastic guards and, and shields and, and all those types of things. All these things are going to sort of come into play to, to change sort of the atmosphere of how things are going to function going forward. I think there will be probably phases of returning to a new normal. We've got to probably have a pretty high vigilance rate in the beginning. When we return, that, that will find us sort of increasing screening. Screening protocols will definitely be increased on patients. Anyone that's been showing symptoms or been around people who've had symptoms, those are going to have to be guarded a bit more carefully so that we can make sure that we're not uh, spreading the infection around. I think that the challenging part in dentistry is to figure out where to draw the line. I think one of the the keys is just to be smart, but not fearful. There's people in the industry now that are looking into everything from renovating their HVAC systems to renovating their practices to, to creating closed doors and closed spaces. I think that we've sort of taken a stand in our group to, to kind of wait and see what the regulations actually show. There's a ton of salespeople out there that are ready and willing to sell any type of product to help prevent these types of things from happening. Now, whether they're going to be effective against COVID specifically, still the information is not completely clear. So I think one of the keys for us is to make sure that we're, again, we're being smart about it. We're protecting our people. We're, we're protecting our patients, but we're not going to get driven into a fear-driven situation where next thing you know, we're spending six-figure money to go and retrofit our offices with an over overdoing it of protocols. You know, dental offices are very, very well known for already having pretty stringent infection control procedures. The Starbucks didn't have infection control procedures. We, we've always had them. So, you know, we've got to take some solace in the fact that we know what we're doing in this field and, and we're going to be able to, to kind of meet the needs of the new world that we're going to live in with COVID as well. Wow. So... In terms of you're talking about PPE and protecting staff and having procedures in place, are any staff hesitant to come back or is everybody on standby ready to go back to work? Yeah. So, I mean, we got a large group, right? There's 50 people. That's 50 different humans with 50 different opinions on things. And um, I think there's a, general, there's a general sense in our group of wanting to get back at it. Um, I think that we've got a pretty good sense of confidence around the fact that we're going to be able to do a good job to keep everybody safe. There are going to be some people as we get deeper and closer into a reopening phase where I'm sure we're going to reach out some level of concern around wanting to come back. I mean, those issues just need to be consulted out, right? I mean, I think it's, it's like any other situation you have with team members that our goal is to create a safe environment for our team 
uh, a safe environment for our patients. But so we can we can talk those things out to see what what would be those those roadblocks that are affecting those types of things with the, the staff if necessary. So right now, there's like nothing on your radar indicating that folks would be scared to come back or hesitant to come back. Yeah, I think that at some level, everyone's going to have an increased radar on things. And that's exactly why we need to sort of take moves. I think it's super important, you know, just as a, people listening out there have practices and our owners of practices. I mean, I, I always say that the positioning, the way things look is super important. Even just sort of the implementation of sneeze guards and all these kinds of sort of protective things, they make people feel better. I'm willing to spend money and I'm willing to take, take efforts to go ahead and make people feel better. Sometimes it's not necessarily the science behind that that really, that really says that, hey, this is going to be the, the game changer. This is going to be the game changer in how we operate. But if it's what it takes to make our staff feel safer about things, we're willing to go ahead and make those changes so that they're productive and they, and they feel good about what they're, what they're walking their, themselves into. I think that that's a super interesting point. The fact that you're distinguishing or differentiating between, hey, do I need this from a pragmatic, pragmatic or realistic standpoint versus, well, from a realistic standpoint, it makes my staff feel better. And maybe even the new patients coming in or your pre-existing patients coming in also feel better. There's a sense of security or comfort or what have you and being sensitive and dialed into that. I think that's a, a clever move. And then you're talking a little bit about PPE. I don't think there's any guidelines that you... And so what are you having? We've been hearing stories that folks are being sold fake PPE. It's tough to get a hold of. For those folks out there that are listening that have practices that can't necessarily get a hold of PPE, but need to open, want to open, what do you suggest or, or what's your strategy? Are you going through the same same thing? Yeah. I mean, like this is the hustle game, right? I mean, at the end of the day, I think we're all in the same boat where you look at the market is, is dry when it comes to these things. There is a ton of stuff that's in production. I think that if you wait it out long enough, the market will come back to a level of equilibrium. Well, it's going to be flooded with PPE and it's going to be there. I think, again, everyone's in the same boat that's looking, trying to open. There are resources out there. There are people out there that you just got to get your hustle on, to be quite honest, and kind of call around, feel around, and networking with your fellow dentists to see if we can group by. I think it's difficult sometimes for single practices who have sort of limited resources and, and, and all that type of stuff to go there and say, hey, I need X number of masks or I need X number of gowns or whatever it may be. Once you start partnering up with some other people in your community, I mean, this is a great time really for us to be thinking as a community to kind of leverage relationships and leverage the fact that we're in this together to help get some of that supply sort of in our hands so we can start treating patients again. You got to start thinking about things differently than you were before. It's uh, relationships, man. It's about relationships with your reps. It's about relationships with your people in your community, you can get a hold of the stuff. But like I said, I think the market will will be flooded within the next three to four weeks. I think there will be an increase definitely in the in the amount of PPE that's in the marketplace. So we're not going to get too, too worked up about it. So we know it's coming. So the, the difference, I guess, would be you're saying that five to six weeks, if you wait it out, it'll come back and, and hit up in the equilibrium. What about practices that can't afford to wait and then open there's a bunch of government programs happening both across North America because of coronavirus. In terms of a, a business play or, or staying afloat or maintaining a, a cash flow of some, th- of some kind, are there any things that you're doing to, in terms of like you having five practices plus the, the other health group, any strategies that you're putting in place to manage cash flow or help you kind of preserve what you're doing once the lights are back on and you get going? Are there any strategy or tips that you would suggest or that you've done yourself? 
Yeah, I think, no, it's a tough question. I think everybody, literally everybody's in a, in a very specific situation in their own business and sort of how they've been operating. A lot of this sort of has to do with what was your position in February uh, and what was your position in January of this year and, and what kind of cash reserves were you sitting on and all that kind of stuff. Now, fortunately, we were sitting in a half decent spot financially in terms of cash flow and, and being okay to ride out the wave where uh, I think you know, as a general business principle, you should always be ready for the shit to hit the fan um, you know, at some level. So it's a, it's a tough one to answer because I know everyone's in a slightly different position. I think that when you get back, you got to be really smart about going into as much high value procedure as you can possibly grab as quickly as you can grab it to try to help bring back the balance. I mean, everyone's been affected, right? Everyone's seen a 100% drop in revenue in their businesses. So uh, I think there's still pent up demand in the marketplace. So I don't think that you know, like once we open the doors, as long as the, the public feels safe, about entering our facilities and dental practices, then we shouldn't see a major issue with getting things to a relatively uh, normal state of affairs. Interesting. So it's, I guess, fast forward, if you were going to, if something like this happened again, what would there be anything differently if you could foresee something like this, where there's a total lockdown or reduced ability to be open? What would you bolster? What would you change? I know you talked about being smart about it. Is it just holding on to cash? Like kind of that old adage, cash is king, doing that? Or is there negotiating your, if your lease is up, getting a bit aggressive with that? What are some of the things that you would immediately go to? Like, oh, what would you check mark? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the way I like to kind of operate business is that you're always preparing for things to go south at some level. You know what I mean? Like there's super confidence in your abilities to try to go and be great, but you got to be prepared for things for things like this to happen, you know, financially. So I think that the best thing to do is to try to try position yourself as best as you can for these types of things. Now I get it; that's difficult. For, you know, I, I was not in this sort of position two years ago, four years ago. It would have been a completely different story if it had hit two or three years ago for us in our group. But yeah, I mean, I think I think everyone sort of jumps on the try to cut down your expenses as much as you possibly can, negotiate wherever you can about your lease and negotiate other other sort of recurring bills that are happening. I think that, again, un- unprecedented times, right? I mean, most creditors are willing to negotiate during these times. They understand uh, that the long-term relationship is better. Now, again, depending on your market, landlords uh, may or may not be willing to, to negotiate with you, but it's always worth the shot. You got to go out there and try. I think that at the end of the day, closed mouth doesn't get fed. So you, you got to ask for what you want. You got to Closed mouth doesn't get fed. And there's also squeaky wheel gets the grease. But uh, no, that, that's, uh, that's interesting. So considering now that with COVID, is there, in terms of like your current book of business, any outreach that has happened? Like we've been, what is it, seven or eight weeks now since the quarantine. Are you sending out any communication to your, your book of business? Are you getting questions or inquiries? What's been in terms of, the client communication, patient communication over the quarantine period? Yeah, I think we were, we were pretty quick on you know, when this whole thing went down to send out some universal messaging to our patient base about this is what it is. And this is sort of where we sit, given the restraints that are sort of put on us by our jurisdiction and by our governing bodies. There's a state of emergency here and, and, and we're going to be shutting down. There's also a sense of we're here for you. We, do, we did have to let go of some of our staff, most of our staff, to sort of deal with this as a temporary situation, but we did obviously, you know, want, not want to leave our patients high and dry. So we have had communication open through our website, through online chat, also through that we can triage situations that are still happening with patients to help negotiate any issues that they're having. And the difficulty for us to, you know, we don't we don't continually bombard our people with uh, mass emails and all that type of stuff. 
unless there's really something definite. We're, we are preparing for the to get the call of, hey, we're ready to reopen. And when that happens, I mean, we're going to be back in communication, obviously, with our patient base to say, hey, it's on, coming back. And uh, this is sort of uh, what the new world looks like. And I think it's super important from a positioning standpoint in that communication to really project your practice as being on the premier sort of line of safety and security and keeping people infection-free and, and really hunkering down and, and the point of, or nailing down the point of we're making changes to serve you better. We're making tr- changes to make, make this a safer experience, to keep you safe, to keep us safe, to keep your family safe. I think that's going to be the, a major sort of point for any dental practice to make sure that you're relieving your patients of any apprehensions that they may have around returning for dental care. Very cool. So I know that you're um, super vigilant, diligent with creating processes and workflows. Having folks come back in, is there anything new that you, you're deploying across your staff in terms of once patients are walking through the door, are you going to have your front-end staff calling patients ahead of time, giving them a questionnaire, like, have you had a fever? Have you been in touch with someone with COVID-19 in the last X number of days? Are there any new workflows or processes that you think that are going to be in place now? Yeah, so th- I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch of maybe in that we're prepared because you know if you're keeping up with what's happening out there, there's there's a lot of things that you could do. For us, I think the main point is this: Are we going to be screening people? In all likelihood, yes. The key for us is whatever processes we we bring into place. It, you know, we need to make sure our team needs to understand that from a brand positioning standpoint, we need to be showing up as a safe place. So I think that the confidence really, I think for me and the training piece and people coming back is to make sure that, A, they feel safe and they, they don't have any questions about what we're doing and how we're doing it. And then, like I said, we're going to wait for guidelines to see what, what our regulatory bodies are going to require from us. But I do think it is going to be necessary to, to screen people. Absolutely. Does that involve a survey at some point? Probably. Does it involve taking temperatures? Maybe. Does it involve other means? Again, we're open to all the suggestions that are, that are out there that will come down from our governing bodies, really. Right. Is there anything else that you would want to share that you know that you're doing? It could be you do it so automatically that people should know, or that you'd like to share with folks around your preparation or how to persevere during this time. Because some folks are are really stressed, of course, and, and there's a lot of anxiety going around. And how to turn on, say, even like the the marketing engine, right? Like someone like yourself with five locations in a short period of time, like 2013, that how do you get your normal processes in flow? Are you sequencing certain things? Are you jumping right back into, obviously, other than the the PPE and like kind of the safety concerns, like running the business, are you going to be full marketing, full throttle on on all things? Like what's what's your take in terms of the next couple of steps or the month after quarantine is lifted? Yeah. So I think there's, it's a difficult question to answer. I think most of the times when you're in business, what you really got to understand is that you got to be agile, right? It's a little bit like playing sport, right? You can have a game plan. It's good to have a game plan, but you also got to be fluid depending on what happens on the other side of the ball, right? I think that at some level, we we want things to get back to normal and back to revenue the way that we want to as quickly as possible, but we're going to have to wait and see what the market, there's so much uncertainty on whether we're going to get an immediate bounce back or whether it's going to be sort of a, a long tail sort of back into normalcy for us financially. I think, A, the key is at one point, one level, at the first level is just really to be optimistic as possible about it. Fear always drives negative 
choices uh, makes things far more difficult than it has to be. So staying level-headed about things is, is, is super important and being optimistic that we, everything's going to work out. You know, everything's going to be fine. It's only just really a matter of time. The second part of it is, like I said, being nimble about what the strategy needs to be. I think we are going to... Our basic strategy is that we are going to make sure that we are projecting that our practice is safe. It is safe to come back and make sure we've got all the protocols and all the things that we need in place to make people feel safe and, and to actually keep them safe as well. And that, that way we can allow things to get back to normalcy as quickly as possible. There's a lot of external factors. We don't know. Is there a second wave coming? Uh, we don't know what's going to happen. I do think that there is value in taking advantage of... I think a lot of people are going to be scared to market. I think that you're probably your marketing dollars may go a little bit further in the digital space and other places like that because I don't think there's going to be as much competition. It's possible that people are going to sort of hoard their dollars for other things. So there's an opportunity there. I do think also there's going to be pent-up demand in the marketplace for dental services in general. So we should be able to see a bump back. I think that the other thing is just like using this time. You know, We've got time off. What are you doing with your time is super important. How much news are you watching? How much pollution are you putting in your brain from things that are out there? We spent a lot of time over the past 60 days or so to look at all our processes again. Like We're looking at creating a far more defined flow in, in every single process in our business. So this has been... A, I've been busy uh, the entire time. I haven't had a, a day really off. I've been mean, still working through here to, to help make things better. And the truth is, like I said, we, we're going to have to have processes that, that are tight, but we also want to be nimble to change things depending on what the external marketplace tells us is, is sort of the shift in where we're going. Cool. So what have, what have you been doing with your time off? Like, what are you strategizing? What are you planning for? Like, yeah, I think what we used a lot of time for is uh, we're going back and we're, we're doing a lot of uh, our story kind of takes us that we, we've grown very, very rapidly in the past two or three years and, and growing from one or two practices now to, I think there's seven total practices now under management in our group. There's a lot of things that get missed when you're going in through that level of growth in terms of systemization. We're trying to build better processes, HR processes, marketing processes, uh, sales processes. I know that's not a word that dentists like to use a lot, but there's, you know, it is a part of our business. How do we go there and convert more? How do we get more people in our pipeline? How do we make sure we've got the right people in the right seats doing the right job? How do we train them effectively? How do we give them the tools that they need to go and be successful? And then how do we go hold people accountable? This is the systemization of your business. And I think that this pause has given us a chance to take things that we had uh, that were probably uh, a six or a seven out of a ten, and, and try to get them closer to be a ten out of ten in terms of um, effectiveness and, and fullness and efficiency and all those kind of things. So those are the kind of things we've been working on. Is just sort of making sure that we've got the back end of our business functional and ready to go in, in a more streamlined sort of way when we're back. Awesome. So that whole kind of planning and being strategic, really just focusing on the business of dentistry. So the you don't do that much dentistry, I take it then. Yeah. I'm, my, my practicing days may be uh, behind me. I, I'm only treating uh, Invisalign patients. I do, it, I do it two days a week, sometimes less than two days a week. Yeah, my pivot is sort of more on, on growing the business side of things. You know, I've, I've been a practicing dentist for, for 13 years, uh, 14 years. I, I know the game. It's, there's, uh, there's quite a bit in there. But yeah, that's, that's sort of where my, my focus is at, at this point. And so if you're, if you're talking to someone who's, uh, that owns their own practice and they're doing the dentistry, right? They're the principal dentist and they don't necessarily have another associate or what have you. Any tips for them in terms of what they could be spending their time on kind of strategizing for before the quarantine is up? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a tough question too, just because everyone's in a slightly different position. 
look, I think at its core, what it really comes down to for me is you always want to find ways to be better. If you've got a practice that you're practicing in, I mean, the things that I would be looking at is to say, first, look at yourself and say, what can I be doing with this time to get myself as become a better dentist? What kind of skills can I add to my arsenal to make me more passionate about what I'm doing? If it's the dental side of things, I mean, do I need to start taking more courses and, and let's start listening to more webinars and all these kind of things that are out there about implants or about bone grafts or about whatever your, your sort of passion sort of lies or you want to get better at endo or whatever it is. You know, I, I would go there into sort of self-teaching. It's like get better at your craft. The business side of things, I mean, there's a ton of things in there, but I, I would think it really starts with looking at your people and getting alignment. If you can spend the time meeting with your team, coordinating with your team, speaking with your team and getting them aligned on what the vision is and what the goals are, that's a super important use of your time and energy. So at the end of the day, as a dentist practice owner, you wear a ton of hats and each one of them is very demanding, which is why you find most people do what I sort of done is you've got to pick one. You're going to either go there and, and be on the business side of it, or you're going to go there and be on the practicing side of it because it, it's really, really difficult to do both effectively with, with 24 hours in the day. But go and, go and get better at your craft. That's what I would say is like, just uh, spend the time reading, spend the time getting into education online, whatever you can to get better at, at whatever you're up to. What pops out to me in that, in your answer there is culture, like spending time on the culture that you're creating. And we've had conversations around branding and what's the ethos or the essence of what you're trying to create. There's folks that dentistry is so competitive. You know, it's like every corner of a block, you're going to see a dentist's office. And if you both deliver the same service, how do you stand out? And so when you're talking about, you know, get to know your people, like talk to them, like really talk to them, it comes down to, or what stands out for me is like really your, your brand of dentistry. And so is that something that you already have in place or you've been working on? It sounds like you're present to that. Is that something you always knew or is it you discovered over like the last six, seven years? Yeah, no, it's a growth thing for me, for sure. I think, you know, I think most dentists are trained to be technically excellent. Your success in education, your success in everything that you do is through technical excellence. Did you do a good prep? Did you, did you find all the canals? There's a technical excellence to what you do. And that's why you get praise and that's how you get rewarded through your training. And then that sort of becomes the, the way to operate. And those things are great to make you a great dentist. That's exactly what you need. Now, the, the other piece of that is that if you go and throw practice ownership onto that, there's a whole other level of skills or set of skills that you need. And they have nothing to do with technical excellence. You do need to have some understanding of, pre, of processes that happen in your business, obviously, but people is everything, especially if you consider the size of your game. You've got a two-op practice or a six-op practice. I mean, you're going to have to employ people. And the truth is learning to drive results through people is a far more challenging task for most dentists than trying to find a canal when you're looking to do a root canal. Like there's different skills that are required. And I think that we often ignore the fact in dent as being dentists that those things are important because we don't always control it. So I think, yeah, yeah you, got to, you got to be in tune with your people. And I think that the, one of the big things that we're sort of bringing back is making sure that we're aligning everybody. You know, we just did a whole exercise here with our team about core values. And core, how important core values are to defining what you're up to. It, it actually changes everything that we do. It changes how we hire. It changes how we evaluate. Changes. I mean, that the alignment around core values and creating the right culture in your team is literally the driver of your success or not. Um, I think that uh, that's sort of foundational in how, how we want to operate. Very cool. 
And then there's, uh, I think that you had shared a little bit about having a either a, a video or some type of intake onboarding program where your staff get a real sense of what you're trying to create here, your expression of, or the expression of, of City Dental Toronto Group's version of dentistry. What had you take that action or what are you doing in that? And like, why, why are you doing that? Yeah, I, I say this a lot where facts don't matter as much as stories do. And storytellers really do run the universe. So your story matters a lot. I mean, you can even take this whole COVID thing. Like the facts aren't always as important as whatever stories coming out of the media, whatever news fabrication or whatever it is. Like people are way more drawn to that. It's not to say that it's right. It's just to say that's how humans operate. Humans love stories. So I think that you can't be ignoring the fact that you've got to create a story for yourself or at least tap into what your story is. You don't have to create a fake one because everyone's story is valid. You just got to go and share it in a way that makes it resonate with people. It, the important thing for us was to, you know, yeah, we have gone through the marketing channels to create videos and kind of uh, brand videos. To, so it's really for our team to kind of align on this is what you're a part of. It's bigger than just, hey, we do fillings here. It's more important. And I think, again, this is not coming back to what our core values are. Why, why, why are we here? And why are we doing any of this stuff? It's not just to make money. It's bigger than that. So for us to have those kinds of tools there, super important in our onboarding process. I mean, we, we take great care to tell people that we onboard into our business about our history, where we came from. And we started with literally nothing and walk them through that journey so they understand what they're a part of and what, what their expectations are of them. It, even if you know your job is to whatever it may be, as an assist or receptionist or be the dentist, it doesn't really matter. Everyone needs to understand what the mission is. So getting alignment around that, getting alignment around what the values are that we want to operate by. Uh, I like to use video. I like to use various different media forms. It just feel like they resonate better with people. There's a reason Hollywood is a multi-billion dollar industry, right? I mean, people love stories. So you got to paint pictures for people and you got to tell stories. That's interesting. Are you taking that and uh, applying it to, to your practice? And then in terms of uh, having those stories created, is that something that happened organically? Like you, we had talked kind of off the record. You'd mentioned this book, I think it was called Traction or something and about principles and values and people are either with you or, or they're out. Do you want to share a little bit about that story? Yeah, I think like if you guys haven't heard of Traction, Gino Wickman, fantastic business book, organizational structure, talks a lot about these principles around core values and setting up structures for how you can organize your business to be more functional. Highly, highly, highly recommend it. Yeah, I I think that it's just super important to create structures. At the end of the day, those are the things that are going to drive consistency, especially if you want to do industry, because there's not enough time to go and manage all these things. You've got to hold people accountable. You've got to create good systems for people. So yeah, no, I think it's I think it's it's some good foundational stuff that comes out of reading things like that. So I think that I know we're kind of diverging off of off of COVID and coronavirus a little bit, but I know you have uh, entire wealth of knowledge around creating organizations, building structures, and scratch practices, building systems that allow you to scale. I think it'd be worthwhile to have you on for another episode that would we just dive into that, go through. To your point, sharing your story of what it was like to start a practice, what you wish you knew now uh, or back then from what you know now, and um, how did you scale, right? Like the, you know, they say that what got you here is not going to get you to the next level. 
And so you've gone through multiple levels to get you where you are now, and you're always looking to grow and expand. I think that would be an interesting conversation. If you have a few moments, if you want to share a few things, but definitely I think it's worthwhile to have a dedicated episode for that topic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a huge one, right? I mean, that's something I'm super passionate about is really talking about the growth of how we created it. And I think that it comes down to, to three main things. It's about, it's about process, it's about people, and it's about story. It, those are the three key things that you need to have to go and project things forward. You, you got to also really have a good understanding of who you are. I think self-awareness is super, super, super important. If you don't know where you're going, <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a major problem, right? I think people... They, they don't spend enough time getting to know what they want and why they want it. That's a super important piece for me. I, I was pretty clear on that early in my career. And then you just start finding the right opportunities that take you closer and closer to where you want to go. Uh, so yeah, no, I'm happy to, to meet with, sit down with you again and talk about those things that uh, walk you through our journey to where it's gotten us so far. Awesome. Awesome. So again, Dr. Gill, thank you so much for your time today. It's exciting and perhaps scary time for folks with quarantine and, and COVID-19 and really appreciate you know, your perspective and being so generous and what you're up to and what other people can consider for themselves. And definitely we'll follow up with another episode dedicated to that whole growth phase thing. And it's kind of a philosophy, knowing you, how I know you, that it's, it's a philosophy of yours is, is constantly growing. So really appreciate you and, and thank you for your time today. Appreciate it, my man. It's always good to talk to you. It's always good to, to, to try to help wherever I can. So all good, man. Thank you. And one last question. Where can people catch you online, social media? Do you have a IG or a Twitter handle or you know, how can folks reach out to you? Yeah, I'm on Instagram, man. It's just Sunny Gill, DDS, S-U-N-N-Y-G-I-L-L-D-D-S. Uh, it's at Sunny Gill DDS. That's uh, my Instagram. Awesome. Great. Thanks so much. And uh, for the folks listening out there, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If there's someone that you'd like us to interview or questions you want to get answered, feel free to hit us up. The details will be in the bio of the podcast. Thanks so much.